This is Audio EXP for the 14th of November 2020 and the title of this episode is Cyberpunk Red Review, World of Darkness and Other RPG News. Cyberpunk Red, that tabletop RPG successor to Cyberpunk 2020 and the prequel to the computer game Cyberpunk 2077 is out this week and Geek Native has had an early look. This week also sees big news from Paradox Interactive, the owners of White Wolf, which we are still digesting. But before we get to that and some other geeky news, let's try and think about the future. The Christmas season, whether you're religious or just using the excuse to buy gifts for your friends and family, is going to be very different this year. In August, for a competition to give away the game Gameception, I asked readers, has the COVID-19 lockdown changed your Christmas shopping plans? And nearly 200 people responded. It was a multiple choice answer all about board games. 51% of people have no plan to change their board game buying habits, but 44% of people plan on buying more board games this Christmas, whereas only 5% of people plan on buying fewer board games this year. I hope that's good news for the industry and for local gaming stores, especially ones with websites that can facilitate online sales. As regular listeners of Geek Native's Audio EXP know, I get a lot of these stats from competitions on the blog, and there's one now running with worldwide shipping. The competition is for It's Contagious, yep, a COVID-19-inspired family card game. As the Kickstarter isn't over, we don't know if it'll be successful, but the prize here is not for the final mass-produced version, the prize is for one of the custom-made prototypes. It's Contagious has been on TV already in America, so these prototypes have been pretty effective. It's not often I get to run a competition with a worldwide reach, so I wanted to call it out in the podcast. Two other bits of board game news make the edit today. First up is for Salvage Hidden Treasures, a game from Ocean City Games that has funded on Kickstarter but is still running, and in which you can spend gold off the seafloor to buy more boats to find more gold. It's a clever concept, right? Easy to see how that can become a game. Geek Native has a Salvage Hidden Treasures winner's guide and a video on the site. I think that's a pretty nifty way to introduce the game, so thanks to Ocean City Games for filming it. The other bit of board game news, and our bridge into RPG news, is Steamforged, Bardsung. Bardsung is a one-player or more dungeon-crawl adventure board game that leans heavily into RPG elements. It's also on Kickstarter and doing amazingly well. Luke Gygax, D&D's co-creator Gary Gygax's son, has just joined the growing list of guest writers. Luke will be writing an adventure for the game and will join Ian Livingston. Yes, that's the same Ian Livingston who founded Games Workshop and was the life president of EDOS although he actually resigned from that role. Rihanna Pratchett, the first woman guest author for Fighting Fantasy, and that's a series co-founded by Ian Livingston, of course, and Terry Pratchett's daughter is another guest writer. So, now we're on to RPGs. Let's talk about Cyberpunk Red. I like the game much more than I feared I would. Why would I have doubts? Well, I gave The Witcher tabletop game a mixed review. While I hope I acknowledge its strengths, I didn't like the county simulationist aspects of it. In fact, I think it was that review that put me on RTG's radar. Last year, I reviewed the Cyberpunk Quick Start, 
and I use the phrase promising. A promise, I think, is a thing that's not yet been delivered. I could see how good Cyberpunk Red might be, but the quick start didn't get it to that place. It was, after all, only a quick start. Now that Cyberpunk Red is out, I can see it's the real deal. It delivers. Promise kept. That said, it's still far more county and simulationist than, say, Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition, but it doesn't feel as intrusive as it did in The Witcher. First up, it's a big book at over 450 pages. It costs $30 in PDF, and it will cost $60 for the physical book when that finally hits the shelves in the States next week. Mike Pondsmith's team at RTG used that space well. The book feels like a magazine, and there are whole short stories in there and loads of great art. Oh gosh, the art is fantastic and really brings to life the time of the red. In my written review, I've been as liberal with the shares of art as I dare go, but sorry to say, I don't have any way to do the illustrations justice over a podcast. We get images of people with only a few cybernetics and plenty of illustrations of heavily enhanced punks, of street life, of weapons, and each of the ten roles, or character classes of Cyberpunk Red, they all look badass. One of my few complaints was that, as with the quick start, two of the roles are gendered. You can be a rocker boy or a lawman. The rocker boy illustration actually shows a female guitarist, and the lawman is, well, under so much armour, who knows? I'm sure the red in Cyberpunk Red is in part a nod to CD Projekt Red, the computer studio behind the Witcher computer game, and who are making the Cyberpunk 2077 computer game. In the in-game universe, though, red comes from the phrase Time of the Red. The setting for Cyberpunk Red is known as Time of the Red because a nuclear bomb went off in Night City, which ended the Fourth Corporate War and turned the sky red. RTG do a great job at crafting a culture and a world that seems on the brink of total collapse and yet thrumming with energy and potential. Night City of the future is a dangerously exciting place. Oh, and yes, this is the Night City that all cyberpunks will know. Yes, a nuke's gone off and the worldwide net is gone, but Cyberpunk Red does not rewrite cyberpunk history. Everything that happened before has still happened. In other words, Cyberpunk Red avoided the Twilight 2000 trap. Twilight 2000 is a game that found itself rewriting itself to try and remain contemporary as we pass the year 2000. And now there's a new version in the works that rewinds all of that and re-establishes the original Twilight 2000 plot-ish as an alternative timeline. Cyberpunk Red just embraces that alternative timeline from the outset, or at least it simply doesn't worry about it. Well, what about the rules? As I've said, they are more detailed than, say, D&D 5th edition, and they are some more complex formulas to work out for combat. These rules simply didn't stay in my head on my first browse through the book. It was only when I played Session 0 that they stuck. It was a case of not getting it until I tried it for myself. I'm pretty confident the same will be true for most other gamers. If the resolution checks don't immediately make sense, I think they will soon. If you and your whole group are brand new to tabletop RPGs, and I guess this is possible with Cyberpunk Red, then yeah, I suspect there will be a learning curve there for you. I also expect YouTube to be flooded with tutorials shortly, and that's a good thing. It's also worth saying that I think the complexity here makes Cyberpunk Red better. 
The exceptions on the formulae help to make certain characters can live up to their full potential in combat, or while hacking the local intranets that protect buildings and which survive the collapse of the global net. I also think the cyberware rules make sense. Some cyberware really just to give your character a slight edge in a few situations, but more importantly, make them look or act cool. And these cybernetic enhancements are relatively easy to pay for and get installed. On the other hand, on the other end of the scale, some upgrades are truly impressive. They're the sort of thing that the big baddie will surprise the group with, and for our player characters to aspire to. These cybernetic enhancements cost lots of money and need to be installed in well-equipped hospitals. For most cybernetics, there's also a humanity cost. Are you really you if there's a robot eye interpreting the world for you, or internal machines that govern your beating heart so you can punch harder? Except for medical and therapeutic cybernetics, these hardware changes to your body cost humanity, and that might result in mental health issues. That's an adult take on a dark future, and it stops too much min-maxing with the technology. But that medical exemption is also essential. In real life, our prosthetic limbs are rapidly developing into more cybernetic-like replacements, and I'm sure RTG nor any GM would want to tell a player with a replacement foot that they are any less human. Lastly, the download is peppered with in-game adverts. I'm reminded of something like you know, Starship Troopers, a film that used cutscenes to the world of the day to help contextualise the story and set the tone. Cyberpunk Red does the same thing. So, do I recommend Cyberpunk Red? I do. If you bought and hated the quick start, then I'm not sure Cyberpunk's core rules will transform the game for you. But if you purchased and were slightly disappointed by the quick start, then I think you'll be much happier with the full rules. Cyberpunk Red is one of the two big RPG news stories of the week. The other, for me, are the big changes coming to the world of darkness. Paradox Interactive have taken the world of darkness back in-house. This comes about two years after White Wolf, who Paradox owned, had such a rocky time with Vampire the Masquerade that they put Modifius Entertainment in charge. It means that Justin and Chili, the creative lead, has a team much closer to him now. However, Paradox has also appointed Renegade Game Studios as the publisher, and I think Renegade will be helping with the marketing too. It's not yet been made explicitly clear what's happened to Modifius, who seemed to steady the ship with Vampire, nor what's happened to Hunter's Entertainment, who only won the license to produce the fifth edition for Well of the Apocalypse last year. It's early days, but I want to find out what happened to both. Will there be any resets or reversals with Vampire? I suspect not. It's entirely possible that Paradox will appoint the same freelance writers that Modifius did and will carry on from there. But what about Hunters and Werewolf? Are we back to stage one with that book? It was never published. Will we see any of that project? Hunters appointed a large and diverse team of writers and, presumably, they've been working on it for a year. Will they get paid? And what will Hunters do now? Hunters closed their World of Darkness Discord channels and purged a site of any mention of it. I hope they're okay. Look, I'm not saying Paradox can't take back their baby. Of course, they can. I'm not even just fretting like a fanboy about delays. I'm honestly worried and curious about how this all went down. Hunter's co-founder and marketing boss, Ivan Van Norman, was in the news just a week or so ago for landing a role as the head of Critical Role's tabletop design studio, Darrington Press. Is he working two jobs? Now, 
there's the suggestion that Paradox are still in conversation about the world of darkness with third parties. And traditionally, Renegade and Hunters have worked closely together. So let's hope the change is a win-win for all involved. With the news comes updates for Vampire and the return of the Sisimi, Ravenos and Salubri clans via a new Vampire the Masquerade Companion book. But the top two RPGs in the market also had news this week. Pathfinder 2nd Edition got an updated errata and a beginner's box which became Amazon US's top selling new board game. Dungeons & Dragons also got an updated errata which brings the rules closer in line with Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. I think there are two freebies worth pointing out this week before we begin to wind down to. The first is The Island of the Dead Sand and it's a pay what you want for Lexa Carner. I'm calling it a freebie because that's what the marketing team from Quality Games did. Lexa Carner is an alternative history fantasy game in which magic and monsters are real and the Roman Empire used magical foresight to prevent its collapse. Players in Lexa Carner are magical experts who investigate or deal with supernatural threats for the legions. In the Island of Dead Sand, the PCs are returning from Britannia when their ship runs into a powerful storm just before the Pillars of Hercules. The other freebie is a quick start on itch.io for Defenders of the New Century. The quick start has some light rules, some pre-made characters and an adventure. Defenders of the New Century is set in a world with only one tiny landmass, an island about the same size as Ireland. Technology has developed to trains and tommy guns, but magic is real too, and that small island is home to nine nations. In the aftermath of a war, towering gates began to open on the island and all around the sea. The fact that the land has been swallowed up is terrible, but giant monsters have swum out of the ocean gates and now sea travel is impossible. However, a few people have started to develop superhero-level powers since the gates have opened. Are they part of the problem, or could they be part of the solution? The last thing on my radar that I want to squeeze into this episode is an AI that generates free fantasy portraits for you. You can find the links in the show notes, or perhaps try searching for Portrait Generator Geek Native. The creators of the AI maintain that it was the computer that drew the illustrations, and that the computer has no copyright, so these images are free for you to use, and there are thousands of them. The code is also available if you're technical enough to feed your own training data, you know, more images, and make even more faces. And on that note, let's call it a wrap. Keep safe, stay out of melee range, and see you next week.